where we're giving the world a voice. We are a faith-based social justice forum where individuals give their perspectives on various topics. It's an opportunity to express their viewpoint, their stance, and their angle on justice issues affecting the community and globally. Each episode features guests presenting their perspective on things like climate change, the church, urban farming, and food insecurity, all through a unique faith lens. Come check us out. Give us your perspective. Welcome to Perspectives on Social Justice, where we are continuously giving the world a voice. I'm Lyra Lane White, your host. And today we are talking about love. Our country, our states, our cities, our communities, and our neighborhoods have been in a pandemic. We've been pandemic stricken. Cultures have been targeted with racial violence, laced with police brutality. Our democracy has faced a turbulent election season, and it was capped with an ultimate attack on our democracy. So at this very hour, What the world needs now is love, sweet love. The songwriter says that it's the only thing that there's just too little of. This week's, uh, this Valentine week, we want to discuss uh, how we can aid and if possible, expedite the healing of the land with this thing called love. And it is my belief that we can encompass a range of strong and positive healing emotions and outcomes from the most subliminal good, which exists in all of us, to our deepest and simplest, most quiet needs. Greek philosophers have identified six forms of love. You may have heard of some of them, family love, platonic love, romantic love, self-love, and last but not least, God's divine love known as agape love. And then in 1986, Cornell University's Robert Sternberg recently proposed a color wheel of love consisting of passion, commitment, intimacy. So when we speak about love, let's be passionate about our healing and recovery. Let's stay committed to building up a beloved community based on hope and securing our neighbors. And let's develop a nurturing nurturing relationships in an effort to maintain our own color wheel of love. As a professional in ministry, I challenge all church leaders to incorporate this notion of a color wheel into the programming of your congregations and your parishes. Love is the ultimate healing bomb. And now tonight I have invited some uh, for the, especially for the women's laboratory. This is women's laboratory night. And I've invited uh, some, some, some remarkable uh, women to share in this conversation of love and acceptance. And uh, we hope that uh, you will all be um, pleased. Our first guest uh, is Dr. Renee Mentor, and I'm going to let her uh, introduce herself to you and, and talk to you a little bit about her. Dr. Mentor, thank you for joining us. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself and so that our listeners and viewers will know who you are? 
Well, hi, thank you very much for even inviting me. I am Reverend Dr. Renee Minter, and I'm coming to you from New York, snowy, uh, cold New York, but I have love in my heart, love in my heart, and I'm, it's, I'm just so happy to be here. Um, I'm a uh, Christian uh, psychotherapist, um, and I also have a faith-based following. I'm also a, an author, um, I've had four anthologies and I'm so grateful that uh, my last one, which is really a book about faith, actually hit the Amazon um, bestseller list in four different categories. So I'm here today to talk about love, maybe from a different perspective, maybe a way that others haven't thought about, but I'm ready to jump in. So thank you for inviting me. Of course, of course. And we also have Reverend Ali Holness Rowland. And uh, you just talk a little bit, introduce yourself and talk a little bit about who you are. We can't hear you, you're muted. Thank you. Hello, good evening, everyone. I also have love in my heart too, Dr. Mentor. It's such a pleasure to be here with you, Reverend Lara Lane. I am a, a assistant pastor at Adams Inspirational Amy Church in Fort Washington, Maryland, and I work with youth at Big Bethel Amy Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, you can follow me on at Raising Roland on Instagram and check out what I'm doing there, and also at Wholeness Row on Instagram. I I am wearing a crown, and I custom design floral crowns. So every woman needs a crown, not just at Valentine's Day, all of the time. So check us out, see what we're doing. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for that. And, and last but not least, we have the Reverend Kim Shelton. Reverend Shelton, talk to us about who you are and introduce yourself. Good evening, um, ladies and the distinguished Reverend Dr. Lara Lane for inviting us um, to this panel. I'm always excited to be among uh, the sisters as we talk and share together. I am uh, Reverend Kim Shelton. I'm the pastor of Good News Community Church all the way in Chicago. So I mimic you, my sister in New York. It is cold and snowy here as well. Um, but hey, there's love in our hearts. So it's heating up the room. It's heating up the space in our lives. So glad to be with you all and excited to talk about love, God's love, and just love in general. All right. All right. Well, let's well, just start. This, um, this season, 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 you know, the, the color world, it's kind of like, you know, where they come from. You know what? I would love to get your perspective uh, on what uh, Dr. Mitchell started out. I don't know you can some audio. But, uh, talk about your philosophy of love. And how can this become a day of social all right, well, thank you for uh, letting me uh, actually come up first and speak about my perspective. You know, we are um, a product of our environment and I'm a product of, uh, of my family. And what I was taught as a child was that love is not just an emotion, but love is an action word. And that that is something that we do. Love is something that we give that we love our neighbors and you know being born in a in a in a household of faith you know we learned about 
know, First Corinthians, the 13th chapter, and what it means to be non-judgmental and to care about our neighbors and to care about those who are less fortunate. So yes, we know about the Eros love. We know about the agape love, but I was also told that it's important that we have the Philly love, the love for our neighbors, for our friends. And that's really the perspective that I'm looking at for this Valentine's Day. Like, how can we take on some of the principles, or myself, take on some of the principles of love and action towards mankind in this pandemic? Awesome. Anybody else? Yes, of course. Um, I mean, I think for me, love is, you, I, I wrote notes even. I think you need it. You can't, I know I need it. I can't live without it. And I, I often think about, we can live, you know, we can't live without food. Without food, we'll die. Well, I feel like without love, you know, it might, it, you're, you're going to die too. It's going to be a very slow, painful death. Um, and I think that I, I agree with the statement about agape love. You know, if it's not if it's not that truly, I'm sorry, I just don't really want it in my life. You know, um, I guess that's a high standard for living, but but really knowing how much and how deeply God loves us, I think that it's harder to accept junk. You know, someone telling you that they love you and treating you like crap. I think it is very action um, oriented, and it, for me, it started in the home. Um, my 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 understanding and experience of love, that very first relationship with my parents, you know, my mother has been, has, has just shown love to me in such a deep way that throughout my life, I was not willing to accept much less than that. Um, and so I think that, you know, that standard, that understanding, it just gives you, it truly gives you a different type of walk. Um, and I guess even, even philosophy on love and that it's can't live without it, gotta have it. So. Yeah, just to mimic what both of you all said, um, in Bell Hook's book, It's All About Love, she has this quote that says, love is an act of will, both in intention and in action. Right. So as both of you are talking about love is an action, that means it's a verb. That means you have to do something right. Because uh, some people think it's a noun. <laughs> so but it's a verb, meaning it's an action word. Right. Um, and so it's what we do is how we embody uh, ourselves and how we embody each other. And it's intentional. And you know, it just doesn't happen by itself, but it's intentional. And that's in everything you do. I do a lot of justice work and that is a work of love. Um, when we do justice work as well. So I know Valentine's Day is coming up, so we're talking about that love too, but I wanna talk about community love too, because yeah. uh, it's also Black History Month. So I wanna talk about community love and the beloved community and how we put that love to action um, and that it's intentional. You're, you're so right, Reverend Ken. And you know, that even makes me think about, I recently, as I was saying, um, check me out on at Raising Roland, but I just did a, a post just the other day about that very thing. And, you know, just the extension of community and how deep it goes and how that, how for us as black folks, it is so, you know, it is so essential and we have seen it. We have seen sacrifice um, as love. Just, I, I thought of um, Ernie Green of one of the Little Rock Nine and how him and his, the, the Little Rock Nine sacrificed and how others have sacrificed, you know, the, the boycotting, the protesting, 
Black Lives Matter, all of these sacrifices for a collective gain, you know, not an individual gain, but a collective gain. What deeper display of love could you have than someone to, you know, put their life on the line, you know, for you? And so I I, I agree, Reverend Kim, as, as, as we are looking at a commute more communal, it, we see as black folks, I think we see it all the time. I hear about it. You know, we didn't need welfare the welfare system because i hear my grandmother talking about how she would place kids or help kids get to homes or feed when parents didn't have food and different things like that and so i think that you know when we really think about the reality of what love truly looks like for us it, it is so deep and it is so communal and it, it's you know it's it's like that agape so Well, I'm I'm loving this dialogue uh, and, and, and having these different perspectives on love. And I, I just want to know, so what do you think, how do you think, uh, we, we've talked about, you know, these different aspects of where love exists. Um, and, but with COVID de depriving us of these human connections, because we've, we've had to, you know, self-isolate, we've had to quarantine, et cetera. Um, so with COVID depriving us of this human connection, do you think that this has had an impact on or has affected the impact of love? Because I'm seeing all these different places, all these different things. You've got Match.com saying, hey, we're going to do it virtually. Now, Facebook is saying they're going to do something. And so so with all with COVID depriving us of the human connection where we can touch one another, where we can hug one another, where we can kiss one another. Um, do you think um, this will affect us mentally, the mental aspect of, of, of love? Uh, what do anybody? I think um, what we learn is how to love creatively. Okay. During this pandemic times, right? And so this whole thing about presence. Um, and so you might not have to be present like right in front of each other, but we can still honor presence of yes. one another. So I think we've learned to be creative um, in this pandemic of, of how to love, how to express love. Um, and so I think we've been creative. There's lots of FaceTime happening, you know, when we're looking at each other, video conferencing more than face to face, um, which has a, a, a little bit of a dynamic as well. You're just not physically touching each other, but you see each other. You get to see the expression of one another um, and you still get to share in such a way. So I believe this pandemic has taught us to love creatively and authentically, because at this point, there's no heirs. <laughs> there's nothing you can hide at this point, everybody at home. Um, so I think we've learned to be authentic as well as be creative in our love. Um, but it's happening out there. It's happening out there. Uh, I just think people are just doing it differently. You know, um, I wanted to point out that you know, I see, and I'm in New York City, you know, I'm in New York City, and, you know, you see just about anything here in New York City, but I think the greatest um, show of love was really um, came about through the pandemic when we saw people selflessly giving the nurses, the first responders, really, really just pitching tirelessly, giving with an open hand and all of us coming together in this crisis. And, you know, another time when I can think about seeing something like that was in 9-11 how we all came together as united people working towards a common good. So we're seeing love, yeah, we may not see uh, the kissing and the hugging and all of that, but we're still seeing love in action 
and it's caring for those in our community and those globally around the world who are affected with COVID. So I think we're seeing a different type of love, but I think we're seeing love. You know, the other thing, and I don't want to um, take up too much of the time, but one of the other things that I learned from the millenniums, um, which is particularly important at this season, is about Mm self-love. And what I'm seeing is that people are actually trying to become a better version of themselves during the COVID. So some people are going back to school. Some people are, you know, earnestly working on really becoming a better person and taking care of themselves. For many of us, it's eating properly. For many of us, we can't go to the gym, but we're exercising at home. So we are trying to become the best version of ourselves. So self-love, you know, maybe we need to add that to the list of you know what love really is. Excellent point, I love it. Um, because during this pandemic, when it was just you, and only you, uh, you gotta learn to love you. Uh, when you look around, it's only you um, in the room. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that had really had people pause. I mean, I, yeah. I, I know I paused um, mm-hmm. to really begin to look at self-love when you're so used to doing and being, and now it's just you. So you learn to pause and realize the things that you like, the things about you um, that you like and things you may not like, but you had a chance to sit in the room with yourself and do some self-reflection, some self-inventory, and then practice some self-care and some Um, self-love. And I I think that was big for a lot of people. Uh, I don't know when we come back, if people gonna be able to go anywhere and do anything (laughs) they love themselves so much. But but you're right, um, Minister, that it it was parallel that, we began to start practicing some self-love, which was needed, I'm sure, with everyone. I just think this pandemic had a little bit more pros than it had cons. Of course, the death of people were not taking that away, but just to have the the world pause for a minute yes. Uh, yes. And, and then reset, and then reset, um, I think that was important. Good stuff. Yeah. I, I want to um, respond to the, to the question in, in the Facebook. It uh, says, what are some ways we can love ourselves and any recommendations? And I think that <laughs> I was laughing when you said, you know, that you can really take a note from millennials, you know, just fitting fitting in that category. Self, self-care is a big thing for me. And I think that I think that a part of it, too, is that as black folks, we're so used to pushing, 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 you know, striving, 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 that often we don't, we don't realize what that does to us, you know, in the long run, um, and what that can, you know, the impact of all of that can do to us. And so I think for me, um, some of the ways that I, that I would intentionally love myself is to take, you know, to really care for myself. Um, you know, maybe it is, it is going over the top, to, to get my nails done for $75, but, you know, getting a manicure, um, you know, that that's, for me, it's, you know, it's almost essential getting that pedicure. It's almost essential, you know, taking a nice relaxing bath. That's essential. Cutting the lights off, you know, shutting technology down, not checking into Facebook all the time, you know, taking a step back from Instagram. Um, I think all of those things are, self-care because in this society, it, 
it's a capitalistic society. So we see marketing all around us because everybody's trying to get get a dollar, you know. And so I think that when when you're inundated with all of that, it can just be overwhelming. You know, mm-hmm. I, they talk about sensory kids for for children because of the just sensory overload. And sometimes I feel <laughs> Facebook overload or Instagram mm-hmm. overload. And so I think sometimes just taking a step back um, can really be help be helpful for me to answer that question. Um, but then. Yes. I guess, Go ahead. I'm sorry, Dr. Renner. You were saying. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. No, no. Go ahead. Okay. I I just see another. Uh, yeah, I was going to question to that one. That's why. That's where I was going. So I'll follow you. Okay. Well, what I was going to say, it's uh, the question is, what about married couples? Um, what what can you do for us? You know, go back to when you were first dating. Go back to some of the cute little things that you used to do, writing notes, little surprises, things in, in your packing something special, a special love note inside their, you know, their lunch, um, little surprises, things on the mirror. You know, I love you. Little surprises that you can do to remind that person just how much you love them. Go yeah. back to your first love, what it was that brought you together, re-examine those things. And I'm sure it won't take you long to find ways. Also, ask your partner, ask your partner, you know, what would make you happy? What would you, what would you like me to do for you? What about a good conversation? Turning off technology, just like my sister said. What about just reinventing who the two of you are? That that is so true. Um, as as a married couple, I mean, as a member of a of a married couple, I, you know, I think that it it is so interesting during this time because as a, I think Reverend, I think Reverend uh, Shelton, you said it. You said, you know, what do you do when you're alone? Well, as a married couple, what you, you're sitting at home with each other, you know, and so it's like you're you're sort of you you're you're not you're not separating. You're there's no there's not a real space to that you're going away to because this is home, you know, you're coming back together. And at this time, everything's happening inside of the home. And I think for my husband and I, like we did, we developed our own special, special groove at this point in time, but it took time, you know, it took a lot of time because everyone's lives shifted and transitioned at the same time. So versus, you know, someone in the household getting a new job or someone in the household getting a new hobby, everything's happening to everybody. You know, kids are, no longer in school the same way, no longer at this house or that house, like play dates look different. So the whole world is completely different. And I think that, you know, for me and my husband now, like I even got us a little a little activity book just to give us some extra ideas. Not that we need them, but you know, just in case stuff during quarantine, what are we doing? Collect, some of us are collecting stuff. So I guess it's one of those things that I probably look back on and say, oh, why did I get that? But it just I, I agree with you, you know, taking the time to really actually do some things with each other that maybe you haven't done. Like we've done a couple cooking classes, a couple couple painting sets, you know, just different things like that. And so I think that just being intentional about the love and making sure that your your spouse knows that you love them every day, not just on Valentine's Day, um, you know, but checking in on them on a Monday and saying, hey, can I rub your feet on a Sunday? You know, whatever it may be. I don't know. Um, How about coupons? Making coupons for each other. I love those. Mm -hmm. Those are so nice. But yeah, Yeah. those would be my recommendations. I would say um, 
we'll go back to the, this buzzword, the love languages, right? Yes, um, get yes. Gary Chapman's book and yes, yes. learn each other's love language, um, new and improved. Um, it may have changed. You might have done it 10 years ago and maybe things have changed. So just go back and reintroduce yourselves um, uh, because sometimes we've, we've evolved over the last you know, seven years. So maybe you might have to reintroduce yourself. Um, and I think that would be fun as well. But like, again, be creative. I told you love has to be creative. Um, as uh, Reverend Holiness said that, you know, we got, we got to keep the fire spike going. So we got to ignite it. So be creative, be creative. Get some, books. Sorry. get some books, look at some videos. No. <laughs> I was just going to say also, keeping in mind, I didn't even think about this until just a moment ago, but we're all like a lot of households are grieving, you know, so that's something to take into account too. Yes. Like, you know, just making sure you have access to the resources that you need, because at a time when you're again in your house and, you know, if your spouse's parent has passed or a cousin, like my, I've just mm -hmm. lost two relatives in the past two weeks. Um, and so for us, you know, that's that's tough, but you never know how people experience grief and how they live it out. So that can be a, a bit easy way to a divorce is all I'm saying. So, you know, check in with yourselves and at least give yourself what you need and get the, you know, get access to the resources that you need. You know, if I could just add one, one piece to that, um, this is the time of year, and I'm a psychotherapist, so this is the time of year that we experience seasonal affective disorder called SAD. So we're already um, experiencing that. Now you add on the pandemic. Now you add on those who have lost friends and loved ones. So this is that time where a phone call makes a difference. This is that time where a note makes a difference because you don't know. People may look okay on the outside, you know, but grief goes far, far longer than just the six weeks or so. So um, yeah, remember seasonal affective disorder. Remember the impact that depression may have. People might not be eating right. They may not be sleeping well. So just check in on people because they need us. So here's an interesting question too from one of our Facebook uh, viewers that you that y'all might be able to address. What should we do with the kids? How do we, I guess that's get kids. Uh how do we help the kids to grieve over lost relatives to COVID? Because that's been happening too. Um, I don't mind because I, I do a little grief ministry with kids, uh, talk about it. Um, I think sometimes the big people don't talk to the little people and, you know, the big people are trying to figure out their grief, but then there's little people who are also grieving. So yes. I would just say, talk to them about it, have some conversations, see where, what they're feeling uh, about and be able to kind of have some, some conversation. I think it's really important for them to try to figure out how to process that. Sometimes we leave the processing to the little children who don't know how to process grief like that. Um, and so they cry a lot or they act up, but I just say, talk to them. Uh, there's some great children books out there. Um, you go to your librarian that talks about grief and can kind of read them and help engage that conversation as well. But I would say definitely uh, acknowledge that they are grieving. If, if, if you lost somebody they lost somebody and so acknowledge uh, that they too are, are grieving and have the conversation with them and allow you to be authentic with them and talk about how you feel so that can also give them language to talk about how they feel as well mm -hmm. i think sometimes we miss that piece with the, the children um but they grieve 
just like we grieve. And I think we focus a lot on their grief and just figure they'll get over it. And they really don't get over it because they don't know how to process it. And I would imagine that there's a great deal of processing um, that they're going through right now. Just the, just the idea of it's a pandemic. I got to get home. I can't go to school. And then, then on top of that, um, having to deal with a parent or another relative that they lose to COVID. It has to go to the hospital in on a respirator, not being able to have access. So yeah, that's, that's, and I really like the idea that you have Reverend Shelton about um, going and finding books to help um, that they can read to kids. So that's a good idea. I think that safe spaces are very important at this time. Um, spaces where young people feel like they can really be their whole and authentic self because they're stuck in the house. And so, you know, they're doing a lot of pleasing, they're sticking to the parents' rules, you know, the level of freedom for a lot of our young people is just not what they had before. And I mean, I'm sure we can all imagine that that's not the easiest task for them. So I think just safe spaces where they can bring their whole full authentic selves and hear and know that they are beautifully and wonderfully made is, essential at this time. So I think, you know, as a, as a youth pastor, that is what, that's what we've been doing since COVID. Um, and I think it's been helping, um, you know, we've heard about the deaths of teachers that young people have been dealing with uh, and just the various things and just beginning the process of stating it, you know, sharing it, letting someone know, knowing that someone cares, that you're not in it by yourself and that it's, you know, because we've been in COVID with them all this time. So now, they're beginning to come around and you're hearing different things along the way. So I think that that's essential, just creating the safe spaces where they can really come as who they are without judgment, without question. Wow, we get a lot of questions tonight. Let's see. Um, then we have another one that says, what are ways um, that the elderly um, can cope? I guess with the, when I guess the, for some reason, Facebook won't allow the, the, to say their names, but I guess what they, what, she means or he means is that uh, I guess with the love during, especially in the wake of the uh, the pandemic. Anybody want to? Well, you know, we don't have the ability for um, the elderly to go to the centers. And, you know, that's where they had, at least here in New York, that's where they had a lot of their activities. And that was their family. Um, you know, those who were fortunate enough to still have spouses um, that looks a little bit different now. You're, you know, your spouse may be, you know, in the hospital and you may be at home or uh, so it looks totally different. But this is where we have to rely on our village. And that's where I'm saying, you know, we should be calling the grandmother, the great aunt, whoever, and checking in on them. You never know how much a phone call will last. And also sending them notes. They're from that generation. They're not from technology where, you know, they know how to, to FaceTime and all of that. But how much time does it take to write a note and just to put it in the mail? Because a note is something they can look at over and over and over again. And it brings love with it. So staying in contact, but maybe staying in contact in the way that they know, not so, so much techno savvy, if you understand what I'm saying, um, something that's familiar to them, but that phone call, make the phone call. How are you doing, Grandma? You know, yeah. how are you doing this so-and-so? Checking in on them. And, you know, that's a great point because 
um, just today and really all this week, my mom has been writing, she's, she's, she's been writing letters, you know? I mean, she has iPad, computer, cell phone, all of those things. She loves talking on the telephone, but she's been writing a lot of letters. And she, you know, she's having me to take them to the post office to mail them, you know, to different, I mean, several letters. I mean, who, writes, who hand writes letters anymore? But that is a way for her to communicate the way she knows how to communicate. And so uh, I know that's very therapeutic for her. Just, yeah, that's some good stuff for her to mention. Now, I, I want us to close out because we, um, I, this has been an awesome, uh, this has been some, some awesome feedback, some awesome uh, conversation and reflection on love. And I just want us to kind of uh, close out with our, um, and um, we may have already given this, I think I, I think I asked the first question about the philosophy of love. But in the wake of um, the racial unrest that we experienced this summer, um, the turbulent um, election season, um, and the challenge to our democracy, what's going on right now um, on Capitol Hill. Um, let's, can we identify at least one way that this country can, can, can show love uh, it can utilize love to heal itself. I know, um, I, I say that, um, you know, with the last presidential administration, uh, one good phrase, well, one phrase that came out was uh, fake news, right? So I, I would say that, you know, this country may need to kind of come up with a new tag and it might mean, may, may have to do something with uh, real love. I don't know. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought. That's what I have to offer in terms of, you know, how can this country, you know, kind of start its campaign for love as to what's been going on. And I'd love to hear, you know, usually recaps in your (laughs) Cornel West says, um, never forget that justice is what love looks like in public. All right. right. Um, that never forget that justice, that justice is what love looks like in public. Um, and so he talks about justice work being public work, and that's the work of love. Um, and so when we're looking at what can we do for our nation, I know um, our president Biden and Vice President Harris had talked about bringing back the spirit of the nation. Uh, and I think what that spirit is, is justice work, is unity work is love work. And so I think what we can begin to do is begin to build in our community this um, love, beloved community. Uh, and we could start right there where we are at home. How do we build a beloved community where justice is happening, where love is happening, where we're caring for each other? We've seen it in the pandemic uh, and we've seen it in the protests. So now we need to see it after all of that is gone. Uh, I think that would be right where we start. And I think that itself would just be love and justice illuminated. Yeah, that's good stuff. Anybody else? Yes, um, I, you know, I think like, I think that what Maya Angelou would tell us is, is just true. Love does give us the opportunity to feel free. And as James Baldwin would say, it, it also, allows us to take off the mask. And so I think that 
we we went through a you know a, yes we we experienced the fake news era and so now we know what's really going on and so now that we have been forced some of us to take off the mask now we can really see what we're working with and move forward towards a more inclusive future that that allows us to understand the value of each individual person mm. and their own uniqueness. Mm, I love that. Absolutely. I, I, like we say in seminary, ashe. <laughs> ashe. <laughs> um, you know, I think for, uh, for my piece, I think that when I look at COVID and I think about the, the impact globally, you know, it, COVID did not just affect women. It didn't just affect men. It didn't just affect straight, gay, um, religion. It, it, it affected everyone. everybody. And it was a diversity of, 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 of people globally that were affected. And then I look at the diversity that we have with the new administration. So I think if I look at the definition of love, and I always go back to 1 Corinthians, the, the 13th chapter, I think about tolerance. You know, I think about being non-judgmental. And if we have not learned that COVID has united us, then we certainly probably haven't learned much at all. But when we come out of this, a, um, a global community united in victory over this. And we look at what's going on in Washington right now with um, the diversity. I think we have to learn that it's no time for hate. It's time for love. And it's time for us to move past the racial divide. It's time for us to move away from uh, the way we were doing things before. We have to unite. And the only way that we can do that is with love. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Very powerful. Very powerful. Thank you very much, ladies, uh, for your insight. Uh, thank you for your participation and your perspectives on love. And my prayer is that somebody out here uh, will be uh, will be blessed by the word. Somebody would have heard um, what each of you have had to say and be um, and, and be transformed and be and, and not leave as we say in the church, not leave this meeting the same way we came. Amen. So, Amen. so to close out, I want to, you know, thank everyone for, for being, uh, for being a part of this conversation. And I just want to, um, you know, remind everybody, I always say about um, the, the, the quote from Dr. King that whatever affects one affects us all. Um, but, but, but most importantly, we need to remember um, in the wake of what we've been through in 2020 and, and, and just a little bit of 2021, that, that there are three things that remain. The Bible says that there, there, there now these three things, there's faith, there's hope, and there's love. But the greatest of these, I don't care what's going on, the greatest of these absolutely is love. And on that note, I want to say good night, everybody. And tune in on next week. We'll be talking, uh, we'll have our, our climate, uh, we'll be talking about the climate crisis, a different kind of conversation, but a relevant one all the same. Good night, everyone. And thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Perspectives On. 
where we're giving the world a voice. We are a faith-based social justice forum where individuals give their perspectives on various topics. It's an opportunity to express their viewpoint, their stance, and their angle on justice issues affecting the community and globally. Each episode features guests presenting their perspective on things like climate change, the church, urban farming, and food insecurity, all through a unique faith lens. Come check us out. Give us your perspective.